Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And here we are, Raider Nation kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Demont Cotton, he's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio, and joining us now on the phone line is a man that really needs no introduction, but eight-time pro bowler, fantastic offensive lineman for the Oakland and Los Angeles Raiders. That's Steve Wisniewski, and, and Steve, we appreciate your time this afternoon, and alumni weekend's coming up. Over 300 members of, of the Raiders alumni are going to be in town. How exciting is that for this upcoming weekend? I am so pumped. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on the show. The name alone, this is my kind of show, Unnecessary Roughness. I've heard that term thrown around a few times. (laughs) But uh, you guys are doing a great job, and I am pumped for some Raider football and to see our family together. You know, over 300 former uh, Raider players are going to get together. And there's a saying in in the Raider organization, once a Raider, always a Raider. That's an ethos for, for decades, and uh, it truly is going to be a, a family reunion and hugs are, and, and stories, and, and a lot of fun is going to be had here in the next few days. What does it mean to be a part of an organization that, again, once a Raider, always a Raider? Because every organization in the NFL doesn't treat their alumni like the Raiders do. That's true. Sadly, you know, there's 32 teams in the league. And no other team in the league has a, an alumni reunion every single year and brings back the players. And, and the amazing thing is uh, Mark Davis and previously Mr. Al Davis, they got nothing out of this. There's no agenda. There's no way that they get repaid. And Mark is going to be very gracious with putting us up and giving us meals and, and bringing us to this uh, pre, preseason game against the Patriots. Uh only to show us appreciation. And he believes that the former players helped build the legacy and made this organization what it is today. And it's very special. And guys who even played one game for the Raiders, guys who came through for one year, you know, I was blessed to be there 13 years, but they'll say there's nothing like this around the league. And they love it. And they feel like family. And they truly are. What did it mean to you when you got that legacy brick, which all alumni have around the stadium of Allegiant Stadium? You know what? It was just a class act. I, I had to stop and look at this thing, and, and I was like, what, what is this all about? And uh, <laughs> reading the letter that was very heartfelt, well-written, again, Mark Davis says that we helped build the legacy. And every player who ever put a uniform on for the Raiders got one of those bricks. And it was very touching. It's very well done, and I don't display a whole lot of football things, trophies, awards, and all that in my house, but I actually have that out in my, uh, in my den, and um, it means a lot. It, again, all of us want to be part of something bigger than self, and truly, if you played for the Raiders, you feel like you had a small piece in building the legacy. Talking right now with Steve Wisniewski here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Again, 13 years with the league, or with the team, uh, eight-time Pro Bowler with the Silver and Black. And you mentioned uh, Mark Davis putting everybody up and, and having everybody in town. He did the same thing in Canton, Ohio, when Cliff Branch went into the Hall of Fame. I was just there a couple weeks ago. It was a, a great celebration. How cool was it to see Cliff Branch go into the Hall? Absolutely amazing. Anybody who knows Cliff, uh, we miss Cliff. And although I didn't have the pleasure of playing with him, he was before my time. He was always around the organization, that smile, that infectious laugh. And, uh, you know, talk about a true brotherhood that transcends every barrier you could possibly do. 
you know, Mark Davis truly loved Cliff Branch, and Cliff Branch truly loved Mark Davis. And so it was very, very special. And my thought was, boy, I only wish Cliff had saw that, you know, that he was part mm-hmm. of it when he was here with us. But we know he was there in spirit. All right, Steve, speaking of the Hall of Fame, something that I wanted to ask you, Tony Barcelli recently was inducted into the Hall of Fame along in that same class as Cliff Branch. Now, you're someone, when it just comes to the Pro Bowls and all-pro teams, you stack up just alongside him even more Pro Bowls. So what do you think about that process of being elected into the Hall of Fame as an offensive lineman because there aren't stats to go off of? It is hard. As an offensive lineman, it's hard to judge and compare one guy against another. But let me just say... Um, I would be honored to represent the Raiders if I ever do get the chance to go into the Hall of Fame, and I will never begrudge anyone. There is just such a litany of great players um, that have had that honor. So even to be in the conversation, I've been nominated like four or five times, and I cut, cut during the process. But even to be mentioned in the names of these greats, uh, I feel honored, and I'm blessed. And I'm not going to begrudge anyone. Um Hopefully, you know, I'll get in one day. But you know, if I don't, it's always it's still a pleasure. You know, watching you play, it was always such a pleasure because you played from the whistle to the whistle and beyond the whistle. I mean, you were that guy that you knew you were going to give 110% effort every single snap, and that's something that I could appreciate watching the offensive line. What, what was the mentality? How did you, you know, develop that as an offensive lineman and, and to be the eight-time Pro Bowler that you were? Well, thank you. You know, just hearing you say that, that's the best compliment I can get. And if you were coaching a player, what, what more can you ask? But that he gives you all that he has to the whistle blows. And I was a guy of average athletic ability, but I grew up watching my older brother, Leo, who played at Penn State. He actually was on the team with Matt Millen and Mike Munchak, some great NFL players. And um, he was a defensive lineman. And he had that defensive mentality. And he was an all-state wrestler. And I just grew up with that defensive mentality. You play to the whistle boats, you chase the ball. And, you know, they teach gang tackling and uh, play into the whistle blows on defense. But somehow on offense, that wasn't always taught. And I just carry that same mindset. Like, I'm a middle linebacker, but I'm not that athletic. So I was actually playing offensive guard. But I was going to, you know, maul, block, and harass until the whistle blew. After the game, there was no one I wouldn't shake their hand. Uh, no one ever got carted off the field that I played against. No one was injured. I never took anyone's career or ended their career. But for 60 minutes, it was going to be a fist fight. And uh, I think that's the way the game is meant to be played. What was it like when you could see the frustration on an opponent's face or you can hear it in their voice or they're t- trying to talk trash, but they can't because consistently and consistently and consistently you're getting the best of them? Well, thanks. You know, I, I believe in, in just – the notion is stealing souls, meaning you try to show no weakness, and for 60 minutes you just go after them, go after them, go after them. And uh, some guys who like to talk a lot, they would just wear themselves out. And other guys I might get in their head because they were more worried about coming after me than they were in making a play. And that's what I wanted. Again, I was just a guy with average athletic ability, but I was going to give you all I had for 60 minutes. And um, – I had a great deal of fun. I tell you what, uh, the brotherhood, the camaraderie, the, the Raider fellowship, the, these guys I'm going to see at the reunion, it truly is family, and um, I wouldn't change a thing. I was just honored to have been able to play 13 years with the Raiders. 
Talking right now with Steve Wisniewski here on Unnecessary, Rest- Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Steve will be in town this weekend for Alumni Weekend. Over 300 Raider alumni will be in town for the big celebration. It's going to be fantastic. We're excited about that, seeing all the guys get in town. And, Steve, when you look at this year's team, they have a lot of talent, and really one of the biggest questions is that offensive line and how it can come together if you're a rookie like Dylan Parham, who's been playing all three of the inside uh, offensive line positions, the left guard, the right guard, and the center position, if you're a rookie just stepping into the league, what are you, what are you getting into if you're trying to play all three positions as, as Parham is trying to do? Well, his head is spinning, honestly. You know, there's such a step up as you get into the league. The, the speed of the game, that everybody's a great player, the strength of the player, so his head is spinning. Literally, as a rookie, I would go home at night and cry myself to sleep. I'd, I'd be so upset and so angry at myself because in practice, I was going against Howie Long. I was playing right guard, and I would take all the scout team reps, and he would beat me every which way I could. a player could get beaten. And then I would take the reps as a starter myself. But it was because I was going against great players because I was given such a great effort that I improved so quickly. In year two, I made it to the Pro Bowl. But that was only possible because of Howie Long working against me in practice and also teaching me and giving me pointers. So his head is spinning. All you can ask as a coach is that these guys just keep giving you their very, very best effort. And as a coach, we need to teach them. We need to teach the Alex Leatherwoods. We need to teach the young crew, the young kids, how to use their hands, how to play the game, how to learn the craft. Because, you know, they all want to succeed. They all want to do well. But good coaching is going to get them – to the, the the next level and to the best level that they can play at. You mentioned Alex Leatherwood, and that's a guy that Lincoln Kennedy mentions all the time. We have him on the show, and he says that he needs to, he needs to take a boxing class where he could just use his hands and punch and, and bring his hands back. Do you see that as well when you see Alex out there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I love Lincoln Kennedy like a brother. I cannot wait to see him. A, a great point, he went through Atlanta. That was his first team in for whatever reason, it didn't quite work there. I don't think he was getting the coaching. I don't think he had the camaraderie. And when he landed in Oakland, I mean, it was a perfect fit. And he really came into his own and became one of the best right tackles in the league. Um, So coaching is very important. And you're right, as an offensive lineman, the only weapons we have, it isn't our big size, strength, and frame. That all helps, but it's, it's our hands. How well do you use your hands? How well do you punch and not lean and lunge? And how quickly can you punch and not get your hand slapped? So it's like a gunfighter learning how to use his six guns. And it really is a, a, a trade, a craft that needs to be learned. But I see the effort, man. They, these guys want to succeed. Nobody wants to get their quarterback killed. And, um, and I feel like we just need to teach these kids. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not giving up on anybody. I mean, if you're year one in the league, year two in the league, then you're giving effort, man. I'm not giving up on you. Not yeah. at all. Steve, something that I want to touch on that you mentioned about, hey, your rookie year, you would go home and you would cry every night. There, Mumford, the seventh-round pick for the Raiders at tackle, he mentioned how he he felt some imposter syndrome earlier in OTAs and camps of not believing that he belonged. We've also heard from Lester Cotton, who's been looking good at right guard, about his journey of being released and waived on the practice squad, then now making it back and looking like he's going to be a contributor for this Raiders squad. How hard is it to gain that confidence, or when did you gain that confidence for you yourself in your career to notice, hey, I now belong in this league? You mentioned with Howie Long, but how long was that process to take that, hey, I belong in the NFL? 
That's a great point. It really is. You know, in, in professional sports, mental confidence is everything. Baseball, basketball, golf, and football. But you have to have that confidence that I belong, and not only do I belong, that I'm going to dominate. You know, and so um, I would say it, it, it honestly took a couple years. Uh, it, when, when Art Shell had a team meeting in, in year two, and he, he announced the names of the players who made the Pro Bowl, Back then, it was really a big deal because only players voted for players. And um, offensive players voted for defensive players, and you couldn't vote for anyone on your own team. And so it was really your peers nominated you to the Pro Bowl. So he read off the list of names, and then he said Steve Wisniewski. And, and honestly, like I was like, what? Wait, what? Did you? I couldn't like even believe he called my name. Year two, I was named to the Pro Bowl. And... Um, it finally started to sink in like, yes, I can be one of the best. I want to be one of the best. I'm going to be one of the best. And so, yeah, mental mental confidence is a big part of this game. And, again, you mentioned a whole number of young guys on the Raiders. It makes me want to be a coach again. You know, I did coach at the Raiders briefly. Yeah. But I just love young men who are willing to give you their best effort. And I always felt it's my job as a coach to set – an environment that they want to come to work, I would praise the heck out of them, and I would teach them technique-wise how they could improve. And and guys usually buy into that. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, I'm not a big guy, but uh, you got me ready to, to go and block for you if you want me to. If you want to coach me up to do some blocking, I'll do it. I don't know how well I'll do, but I'll, I'll give you the effort. <laughs> that's it, man. That's all you can ask for, right, is effort in anything. You hire someone to cut your grass, anything, you know, you just want to see a good effort. Yes. And I'm excited with what I see at the Raider organization right now. I really am. It's only preseason. I know a lot of our starters haven't even played. But you can tell the guys on the field are representing well, and they know what to do. And, hey, I like the fact that we're 3-0 and in the preseason. Again, doesn't count, doesn't mean anything. But the Raiders look like they know what they're doing, and uh, they're playing good football, and I can't wait to see the starters um, get, take that field and represent well. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's funny you mentioned the, the win-loss record because Lincoln mentions it too. He says, I'm never mad at a, at a win. I don't care when it is. A win is a win is a win. It's important to establish that as far as just ex expectations of winning games. And I think with what Josh McDaniels has been able to do, attention to detail so far with the Raiders, this, this Raiders team, it feels like that they're kind of changing the culture and, the, and the, even the image of what the Raiders teams uh, have been in the past. What have you been seeing from head coach Josh McDaniels and the attention to detail? Yeah, you know, I'm a fan. I haven't been out there yet, but I, I'm on Raiders.com all the time watching interviews. I've watched every game. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm impressed because uh, attention to detail is there. You watch in, in, in offense, defense, special teams, you know, largely backup players so far, but they know what to do. They're, they're not making stupid mistakes. Uh, the team's marching down the field offensively with cohesiveness. Um, being smart with the football, picking apart defenses. So I'm, I'm just very optimistic. And, of course, uh, I really believe in, in the coaching tree. Belichick absolutely knows what he's doing, and his coaches um, are professionals. They know what they're doing. And they're setting an atmosphere um, that is going to lead to victories, I believe. And as far as preseason wins, Lincoln and I think the same way. You want your team to expect to win every time you step on the field, and I don't care if it's a preseason game. I want to win that game. I want the mindset in the building is Raiders win games every time we step on the field. We're going to win this game. 
So we, we got this preseason game on Friday. It doesn't mean anything, but I'm looking to go beat uh, the Patriots. That's for darn sure. All right, Steve, and with that, with that game on Friday, this preseason game, Raider alumni, you, all, you guys are all going to be there, about 300 Raiders. Who are you looking forward to seeing the most? <laughs> wow, that's a great question. You know what? I've, I've talked to half a dozen guys here in the last few days that are very excited. A lot of them haven't been back in recent years because of this COVID and all this and that. They're thrilled to go. But uh, uh, I really think I want to see Mark Davis and just give him a hug and give him and say thank you. I, I really look forward to seeing him again and just thanking him because uh, you know what? Again, we take this for granted. Uh, the organization gets nothing out of this. They don't get paid back, and they're going to spend quite a bit of money just to put us up in hotels and feed us and bring us the game. And I just want to tell him thank you for all he's done and all he continues to do for us as former players. All right, Steve, last one for me. I've been working with Lincoln on radio for about three years now. Can you give me a good Lincoln story? Maybe nothing embarrassing. <laughs> if, you do, if you do want to share something embarrassing about Lincoln, please do. But can you give me a good Lincoln-Kennedy story? Oh, man, you know – I'm gonna I'm gonna botch what year this is, but Lincoln, I love him like a brother. Um, because if he calls, I'll call him right back. Whatever he needs, I'll give him a shirt off my back. Lincoln is a warrior, and what I love about Lincoln, talk about he would give you everything that he had. And some days his body was so beat down he couldn't even get in a stance, so he would just play right tackle in an up stance most of the games. But um, one year we were at Denver, and there was a big snowstorm. And for whatever reason, they didn't do a very good job of clearing the clearing the, the, the stadium of the snow like they should. So um, as the game was winding down, I, I don't know what year it was, but someone was throwing snowballs at Lincoln. Do you guys remember this story? Yes, you ever heard this story? yes, yes. And he literally like went over the wall and went after some fan. And, uh, oh, my gosh, like in today's day and age and with social media where it is now, you know, he might have been thrown out of the league or at least suspended for a time. But Lincoln was going to take on every defender they had, and he'd take on the fans. I mean, he'd go hand-to-hand, blow-to-blow. Uh, because he was such a warrior. And um, we just – I remember laughing so hard and thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, is that Lincoln? Like, how did he get on the other side of the fence? And, like, he lost his mind. He's going after a fan with a snowball, you know. Uh, but uh, Lincoln, I just love him to death, and he does a great job on uh, in broadcasting. But uh, he's even a better human being. I'll tell you what, heart of gold. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. We love us some Lincoln Kennedy and and Steve. We love uh, ke- catching up with any Raider alumni because uh, it's always a fun conversation, and and we always understand how much being a member of the Raiders organization means to each and every one, including yourself. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. It's been great. Can't wait to catch up with you and see you on Friday. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Anytime you want me on unnecessary roughness, man, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Steve. We appreciate you. There you go. Steve Wisniewski, eight-time Pro Bowler, loves the name of the show, Unnecessary Roughness. And, and hey, that's why we have it, right? You got to have that Unnecessary Roughness. Sure, he was called for a couple of those penalties in his, uh, in his career. And, again, playing whistle to whistle and beyond. I love it. I love it. And now, of course, in uh, 2022, you can't quite play as aggressively as, as uh, Steve did. But, uh, man, that's a dude that you knew he was going to give you everything he had. Anytime Wisniewski was out there, there was you knew that you were going to get everything that he had, and that's exactly all you could ever ask for 
Uh, yeah, man, that, big fan. Big fan of Steve and definitely appreciate him giving us some time this afternoon. Big shout-out to the Raiders for making that happen and uh, having him call in on this alumni weekend. So thank you again to them. 4.20 is the time. Take a quick break. Come on back. Get your calls and texts. We've had a fast and furious show, man, but we still got some time. Let us know about it. Hit us up, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. 425 is the time. Had a fantastic show. We still have plenty of time in the show, but man, we've gone fast and furious. Jim McBride from the Boston Globe started us off at 2.30 talking all things Pats and Raiders joint practices, followed up by Beth Mowens, Raiders play-by-play voice. Does the preseason action with Matt Millen, Rich Gannon. We'll be on the call on Friday at Allegiant Stadium. That was at 3 at 3.30. We had Ben Fennell. Covers the draft. He's at CBS Sports, but he also works for NFL Network covering the draft, the combine, the senior bowl. He was breaking down Dylan Parham. A lot of good conversation, got good intel from Ben. And then you just heard from former Raider offensive lineman, eight-time Pro Bowler Steve Wisniewski. It's alumni weekend. Over 300 alumni are going to be in town. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's actually going to be an event Friday before the game actually starts when I'm trying to think when the pregame show is going on. And I'm trying to plan this right because you know me, DeMond. I'm always trying to work and trying to make something uh, happen so we can have a, a great show. Um, there's going to be a time when most of these 300 are going to be rolling into Allegiant Stadium. And so I'm basically going to be on the scene to interview as many guys as possible. Now, I'm not going to get 300 interviews. That would be insane. But I'm going to try to cherry pick a good five or six at least and uh, go from there. And so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, uh, this Friday. It's funny you mentioned that because when I got the email, I was talking to uh, Jared, you know, the producer for the press box, yeah. and we were just like, man, we should definitely go. I was like, we could record some interviews. We could get some, like, on camera. And then it was just like, yeah, credentials. And it was like, ah. Uh. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's like, when, who, what, the where. I was like, this sounds great. Oh, man. Right. Well. It's just like, ah, uh, you got to get in. Yeah, no, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how we do this on Friday, uh, as far as the show goes, because I think I'm not too sure because JT has to do the pregame show with Eric Allen, so he'll be on from 3:15 to 5:15 when the game actually kicks off. Um, so I think that unnecessary roughness we may do maybe one o'clock to three o'clock or one o'clock to 3:15 ish. Not too sure. We're still working out the you know, the logistics behind it. And we might do the show from Allegiant Stadium. We might do it from our home studio. We might do – I don't know. I don't know where we're going to do it from. But somehow, some way, it's going to get done. And we'll be everywhere we need to be in pre- preparation for the game. Patriots and Raiders, 515 kickoff. Of course, you hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920. So that's just some of the logistics. But I'm excited about Alumni Weekend and getting to talk to a lot of the guys that I talked to in Canton, Ohio. You know, getting to hang out with them for the ceremony uh, for Cliff Branch. I'm going to get to see a lot of those guys again. So definitely looking forward to that and looking forward to bringing a lot of good stuff to, uh, you know, the, the show on Monday, including locker room, locker room reaction following the game on Friday. So that's that's going to be fun as well. Let's go out to the phone lines right now at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Bernard. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, I remember blessed. that game, man. Uh, with Lincoln, I, I was like, man, if he get over there, he's gonna hurt somebody. He looked mad as heck. I never <laughs> seen a dude look so mad. I remember that game. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, I wanted to chime in on uh, 
a couple of keys, red zone, offense, and defense for the Raiders this year, man. I, I think the offense is going to improve for sure. But no worse example than that game last year against San Diego, man. I don't know how many third downs and longs that they had that they couldn't just get off the field, and in the red zone it was really bad. So if they improve in that area, yeah. I think they got a real good chance to, to do good. And uh, one more quick thing. It's so obvious how much the national media doesn't know anything about the Raiders. I heard on today one of the shows they were saying Derek Carr, this is this is his time to prove it, so on and so forth. And they was naming out all the weapons he got, you know, Waller, Renfo, uh, Adams, and then they go, and they got a stout offensive line. I was like, oh, my God, they do not know. <laughs> and they got a stout, he, he a stout offensive line. They, they, he really should perform this year. I'm like, that tells you right there they don't know nothing about what's going on with this team. So um, you guys keep up the good work, Q. I'm glad you got an extra hour on your show, man. It's good hearing y'all. Uh, just keep doing a good job, and hopefully we can have a good season this year. Absolutely. Bernard, thank you so much for that call, my man. I do appreciate you. And yeah, it's funny. There's sometimes, and I don't really hear it a lot from the national media, but I'll, I'll see it on Twitter. I'll see people, you know, put out certain certain things. And obviously I'm on Twitter way too much, but I'll see, I'll see certain statements put out on Twitter by certain people. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you even talking about? You know, the one thing I will say that I heard from someone national media wise that really bothered the hell out of me, like really bothered the hell out of me. And I don't usually let a lot of things get under my skin, but Colin Cowherd was talking about Derek Carr one time and he was saying that he's like a fake Christian or something like that. And I was like, how in the hell does he, actually, I guess I shouldn't have said those words together, but how in the world does he even put that together? You know, like how do you, how do you call, how, how do you even fix your face to say that Derek Carr is a fake Christian? Like, I mean, what made you believe that? Right. That just bothered me because it's not like it's not like Derek Carr's, you know, T-bowing, you know, where he's out there and, and on full display and this, that, and the other. But he's just like, oh, he's a fake Christian. He's just this, that, and the other. And I was like, how, how do you even say that? You know, and, and from a national media, like, I really respect Cowherd. I think he's a, a great talent, obviously. But I was I just wondered, I was like, where does that even come from? You know, what, what, what agenda, what would make that – why would Derek Carr – be that guy, right? I mean, what would his benefit be? I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. What would the benefit of him being the guy that Colin Cowherd tried to tried to call him and say he was? It just it, it really bothered me. But then one minute he's pro Derek Carr, the next minute he's not pro Derek Carr, and the next minute he's pro Raiders, the next minute he's not pro Raiders. I I'm so confused by Cowherd. I don't know if he's coming or going half the time. And I feel like he don't know if he's coming or going. And I think that goes for Stephen A. Smith, too. I used to be a Stephen A. Smith guy. Like, I used to really like Stephen A. Smith. But the more and more uh, over the years that I've seen him and really heard him flip-flopping and, you know, skip Bayless in it up, I just kind of like, eh, that's not for me. But, again, that's just me. I don't want to sound like a hater. I'm just not – it's just not for me. If, you, if you're a fan, cool. But I'm just – for me, I'm not a fan. But that's – I don't know. There's a couple of pet peeves that I have. Uh, let's go back out to the phone lines. Talk to our guy Ruben right here in Vegas. What's up? What's up? What's on your mind, my man? Nah, just really quick. You uh, just heard the Wisniewski uh, interview, and one thing I love about the Raiders, man, is the alumni. Really, I really do. I mean, I've met. I'm looking at my Raider wall right now with all my autographs. I met Art Powell. I met Roy Hart, McFadden, Steve Wisniewski that you just had on, Ken Law, McKinney, Kurt Morrison, Lincoln Kennedy, Rod Martin. The late great Chris Blant, Cliff, Cliff Branch, Greg Townsend, Jim Otto, and uh, last year I got to meet my childhood Raider uh, over there in Dallas, Tim Brown. Mm. And that's the thing I love about the Raiders, man. Just the alumni, man. They're out there. They're they're doing things in the community. They're still representing. And it's really true, man. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And it's just a good feeling, man. Uh, you know, the alumni weekend coming up, and it's just 
that's what makes me proud to be a Raider, man. Just the way these football football players, you know, they're bigger than life, and I know they got millions of things going around the world, but they still take the time to chat it up with you, take pictures, sign autographs, and whatnot. You know, that's what makes that's what I love about being a Raider fan. You know, but anyway, good show. Love the interview with Wisniewski. And uh, another thing, I don't have Twitter. I stay off that. But I hear Raider Nation been having drama on Twitter going on lately. But I stay off off that stuff. But anyway, good show. Love the show as always. You guys have a great day. Hey, thanks for the call, my man. And that's a good thing, man. If you can stay away from Twitter, that's a great thing. I I tell everybody, the minute that I'm done with this, uh, I'm going to be off of Twitter too. Ain't nobody going to be able to find me. <laughs> Where's Q at on Twitter? He has left Twitter a long time ago, brother. He done buried that out back. So, uh, yeah, man, that, that's it's it's great for what we do in this industry as far as keeping up with, you know, information. A lot of times I'll I'll be able to reach out to a guest. Uh, before I have their contact number, and I'm able to contact them that way. So it does benefit us in this in this industry, but at the same time, man, there's so there's so much toxic stuff on on Twitter. It's just it's it's like oh my gosh, I'm done, you know. But but at the same time, like I said, we do use it as a tool in this business. So you know, you take the good with the bad. But yeah, as far as the Raider alumni go, it's 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 so cool to see all the guys come back, and I I keep referencing the trip to Canton, Ohio for Cliff Branch and seeing all those guys. And I was sitting up there really close to the stage when, you know, Cliff Branch's sister went up there and gave the speech and Mark Davis and, you know, introduced them and everything. And um, just sitting in that whole section with nothing but former Raiders, Raiderettes were there, former Raiderettes were there, current Raiderettes were there. I mean, it was just one whole corner full of Raider Nation. But to sit there and up there and chop it up with a Jerry Robinson, like, you know, like that's my homie or something, like we go way back when actually we just met on the airplane. I thought that was so cool, you know, and he's telling me stories about what, you know, what they used to do and how training camp used to be. And that's what I forgot to ask Wisniewski about training camp getting wrapped up. But that's how much we got caught up in the conversation. Didn't want to take too much of his time. I, I left a lot of meat on the bone. But that's okay. Uh, still fun talking with Steve. But, yeah, it's just it's crazy, man, that everyone to a T is just so personable and want to talk about their experiences with the Raiders. And it doesn't matter if they were a longtime member of the Silver and Black or just there a year or just there a game or just there a couple games. They all gravitate to the once a Raider, always a Raider, and just proud to be a part of the organization. It's just something that really stands out to me in a major way. And, you know, George Atkinson was talking to me at Cliff Branch's uh, Hall of Fame enshrinement, and uh, he was chopping it up and just telling me about how the whole week had gone and what was going on at the hotel as far as it all being Cliff Branched out. And Mark Davis did a great job. And, hell, I got a pillow. I was talking about it on the uh, on the show the other day. I got a pillow here at the house that says Speed Kills on one side, says Branch 21 on the other side. That was at the party. You know, and they were just handing those things out and wanted to make sure everyone just had a great time to celebrate Cliff Branch. And I'm telling you, uh, Mark Davis really does it better than, uh, I believe, any other owner as far as taking care of the, the alumni. And uh, the, the Raiders, they, they, really, they really take care of their alumni. Just, I could definitely appreciate that in a major way. So thank you so much for that call. I got a couple text messages I wanted to get to as well at 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, there was a couple texts to ask about ask Steve a couple questions, and I didn't see this in time. I apologize. Uh, one, he wanted to ask about uh, your guy, DeMond, ask about Trevor Penning and uh, get Steve's thoughts on him. But uh, I didn't see that in time, so uh, I apologize for that. Uh, the mailman Raider hit us up, though, at 69187, keyword R&RQ. If we go into the season with the plan in the red zone, unlike last season, I think the team scoring is in top five. With the healthy Waller and the addition of Adams and Hollins in a Nelly-type role, why not top two 
in passing yards. That's from Mailman Raider. I don't know. I don't know how much Hollins is going to get targeted in the red zone. I do think he's going to be a factor in the red zone. I definitely do believe that Darren Waller and Devontae Adams have to be targets 1A and 1B, right? I mean, those two guys have to be the focal point when the Raiders get in the, in the red zone. They just have to be. Darren Waller, as he mentioned on, uh, on Bustin' with the Boys podcast, uh, he's too big not to be targeted in the red zone, right? That's a guy that I would take a chance and just throw the ball up to in the corner. Give him a little fade route. Give him an opportunity to go make a play. You know, if you have a guy like Devontae Adams, you give him a chance to make a play. You know, he, he really wins on his uh, route running. I mean, he, he, he beats you at the line of scrimmage. He beats you before the snap. Like, Devontae Adams is one of those dudes that is in your head and has already defeated you before you even have an opportunity uh, to try to defend him. So uh, those two guys are key. And then you have the big body and the big size of Mac Holland. So you have to give him an opportunity to make some plays. He's got some big hands. He's got, like I said, big size. He's a big target for Derek Carr. And, oh, by the way, at the same time, while you're worried about all three of those guys, then there's a Hunter Renfro that just finds a way to get open. He, he ran a route today on one-on-one drills. And the Patriots' defensive backs were pretty good during one-on-one drills today. They, I mean, they won plenty of routes. There. They ran plenty of reps, and uh, the Raiders won plenty of reps. But I'll tell you right now, man, there was one play where Hunter Renfro just, you know, gave him a little shimmy at the line of scrimmage, and boom, it was just too easy. I looked at Beth Mullins, and I said, that's just too easy. That's just too easy. He was just wide open, and it was only, you know, it was like a goal line play. So it was only about a two- or three-yard run or, and route. But, man, it was – it was a wrap. It was just too easy. He's just he's just too 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 loose, you know, too 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 slippery. It's just he he he's he's sharp, man. So they have the weapons, they have the tools to get it done. They also have to have the protection. That's what we've been talking about quite a bit on the show. We also got a text from Raider Chavez in the nine one six at Sacramento, California. He said, I think the Raiders could be first in offense this season. Someone has to be, why not us? Also did you see the interview with Devontae Adams on the pivot? He got me pumped for what's to come. So that's uh, Raider Chavez in the 916. And thank you so much for that text, my man. And I did not get to see the actual podcast of the pivot yet with Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, uh, and then uh, Crowder as well. But I did have some sound bites. I actually played a couple on my podcast today uh, just because it was Devontae Adams and you could just hear his mentality and what he's thinking when he gets to the line of scrimmage. And that's why I said that he wins at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but – I know that they were at the Raiders facility and they were recording that podcast last week. Apparently, I made a cameo on the podcast. I didn't realize it, but uh, someone like took a screenshot of it and tweeted at me and said, Q, there you are uh, on the on the Pivot podcast. So uh, I, I don't know. Somehow I, I made it onto that show, and I guess that's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll be everywhere. I'm not mad at that. You know, I don't mind showing up in, in random pictures at, at, at times. So that's what happened. But, Damon, you actually – uh, saw some. Did you actually watch the whole Pivot podcast? How did this come about? Because you got some sound bites you want to bring to the table as well. I watched just about the whole thing. You know, some. It was like a. Did you see my cameo? I did not see that. So that was one of the. So parts that's the only part you didn't pay attention to. <laughs> of course, <laughs> the one guy you know you didn't pay attention to. <laughs> like I'm looking in the background just to see. I hey. was in the. I wasn't in the background. I was actually Ryan Clark and them were in the background. I was actually closer to the camera. You making it sound like they were just. Is that Q Myers? And then it's like, oh, we got to get back the camera back over to. Uh, I'm gonna send you the picture. Okay, because I haven't seen it. I'm gonna send you the picture. I mean, we got time. I mean, if you got the, <laughs> if you have the time, if you can pull it up and go ahead and show me, I'll I'll eat these words. I will, I will. But go ahead, what, go ahead, and tell us what you got. 
Okay, yes, because Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, you know, they've got the chemistry. So when they were asking him, like, what's that relationship? Like, I know he's gotten that question before he's answered it to the local media, but I really just like the way he answered it for these guys. And we had, because everything in the, in the Fresno offense was basically signals. Like, we was on the ball. I think Oregon was the only team that was faster than us, like, play, had more plays run throughout the game. So everything was signal. So it got to the point where he'd be, hey, Tay, look over. And by the way, Derek started Tay. I don't know. People don't really know that. So I'm going to let everybody know. Oh, wow. Tay, I, everybody called me D, D Money, like, growing up. Like, that's what it was. It was, it was more D. He started that. So he'd look out, Tay. And he'd, he'd be like, and I'd, and I'd know just based off coverage, we got zero. We only, that, ain't, that ain't a signal. He'd look over like, hey. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I might have a slant fade right, right. now. Throw it, beat him off the line. And that's where, that's really where the releases started. And, and right. people starting to give me like that, that crown of being able to, you know what I'm saying, get off the line of scrimmage was that it was a lot of, it was a lot of situations where I got to win now, especially right. like I go to Green Bay and I'm playing with dudes like, like Jordy and Randall. I got to show Aaron, if he look over there, I, he like, yeah. he ready to get this ball right now. So that's why I just started saucing dudes and doing that. But it really started at Fresno look over and get that look from from Derek like something like that and then I know I'm up at the sideline I just like that because like he said like just give him the look can you just look at me on the screen right now yeah the motion that he made was just right well, right, Derek, right just give me that yeah. look and it's yeah just, yeah that's got to give you hope for the season with the team with the quarterback and his best receiver all they got to do is just give each other a look yeah no that's and that's what it's got to be though it's got to be on the same page and that's what Devontae Adams had with Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers could see a coverage, Devontae Adams could see a coverage, Aaron could just look over at him, and Devontae knows exactly what he's thinking. That's where they've got to get. Once they get to that level, which I think that they're close to, if not there, then it's going to be – I don't want to say it's unstoppable because I don't think anything's unstoppable, but it's about as close as possible. And then next words, just – we always hear about hey, the Patriot way. So they asked him, do you think that Josh McDaniels is establishing a Raider way in Vegas? He definitely is uh... – I would say hard on us, but he's, he's the way that he should be when you're dealing with a lot of, you know, younger guys. It's not, we don't have the most experienced team in the world. So he's doing a lot of things, and I love Josh, man. I'm telling you that right now. I, I, I even tell him, I texted him the other day. I said, I've really been enjoying you, man. Like, just having you around and, and your leadership, the way you, the way you lead men is, is it's impressive to me. You know, I've, I've had a couple different coaches, and I've had, you know, Matt LaFleur, who was a lot of the same and extremely talented um, in, in a workhorse. But Josh is one of those guys that you can tell that he 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 was a sponge, you know, being an offensive coordinator that whole time. And obviously he had a shot at it before and it didn't go, I'm sure, the way he would have hoped. But, um, yeah, I've really been enjoying him and his staff, too. They, they get it and they understand how to how to deal with guys like me, you know, just because, you know, and when I say that, I mean, you know, he was talking about I'm not a diva, but I'm at the end of the day, I've experienced a lot and I've learned from a lot of dudes who, who know what they're talking about. So at the end of the day, I feel like my feedback is, is valuable. So um, when I go and talk to him about certain routes or, you know, things, the way that I want to run certain things, the, the way he's open and receptive to it makes it, you know, easy to come to work every day. There you go. I, uh, that's very detailed right there. That's a great answer. Uh, I, I wasn't I – didn't, I didn't know that one, right? I hadn't heard that clip. That's, that's a really good one right there and kind of tells you uh, the mindset and, and him talking about how much he enjoys Josh McDaniels and the fact that he texted him and was like, hey, I really enjoy – I enjoy you. You know, that's, that's, that, that's that acceptance of the coach, right, where everyone's not always going to buy in and everyone buys in on their own time. I feel like that when Devontae Adams sends him that text and says, hey, I really appreciate you being around and, you know, and I've been enjoying you being around – not that he wasn't bought in already, but that's that, okay, this dude's going to help me get where I need to go. I, th I think that's, a, that's very impressive right there. 
And then this last one that I want to play, and we got we got to go to break after this one. No it, breaks. It, it's just like you know, this is after the show, but it's him, Fred. You know, him, Fred, Ryan, and Channing, they're all just talking about the system. And just hearing him talk about how hard this system is really gave a lot of insight. It's a beast, and it's not for, like, you. they can't just bring just talent in here. you got to mm. be talented and smart. Right. Otherwise, right. like, especially if it's, like, late, if they bring somebody in right now, right. you got to be a genius to catch on and be, really? you know what I'm saying? Especially, like, and they give me more leeway, and, and I, I pride myself on being, like, like, really my football acumen is, mm. like, one of my, right. like, best traits. So. Right when it comes to like learning it and I study it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just cause I'm not going to be the one that, that's out there right. looking Hell crazy. Yeah. Right. So when I, when I get out there, like if I do mess something up, they do understand because I have to learn that every single spot, mm-hmm. like most dudes is just playing X or whatever. So you just right. learn the X, but right. I got, I don't know every single spot. And then the formations is crazy cause right. they got a formation name and then they got a code words for every <laughs> single formation. Quick, hurry up, bro. It's that's not, ridiculous e- though. Every single the formation. Read, gotta, the yeah. snaps, breaking off routes. Hey. Yeah, yeah, I could appreciate that, though. And, yeah, this is – and I think Brandon Bolden was the one who said that the offense is complex. It is. It's not something that's just simplistic and you're just going to go pick it up right away, and especially when Devontae Adams is trying to do everything. But that's what separates the good teams from the great teams or teams that are just out there playing from the teams that actually have aspirations to go deep. If it's complex like that, you know what you have to do? You have to put in the work to learn it. If you're willing to put in the, the work, you can, you can be great. What I understood from people is seeing guys there at OTAs when it wasn't mandatory, seeing guys at mandatory minicamp really, you know, busting their tail and obviously working as hard as they've been working in training camp. They're building this. They're growing. They're learning as much as, uh, you know, as they can. They're going to put this thing together, and I just can't wait to see what the product actually officially looks like. Well, Devon, uh, Devon, I almost called you Devante, but uh, Devon, uh, it's funny. We got a text about someone saying, uh, and we'll take a break after this. So are we going to talk about someone calling Mac Hollins De- Devontae? That was Brian Salmon. That was our guy, Brian Salmon, uh, from News 3 LV. He uh, he called Matt Collins Devontae because Matt Collins had been talking about Devontae uh, so much and what he brings to the table. So he was like, Devontae, I'm mean, Mac. <laughs> so, it was pretty funny, but that was Brian Salmon. He, he's, he's, he gets a pass only because uh, Matt Collins was talking so much about Devontae before he went to ask him that question. So there you go. 447 is the time. We'll come back, close out the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> Oh, it's fake. Oh, no. All right, Q. That's how we do it around here? That's how we're doing so it. So I got to ask this before we get into real or fake to close out the show here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Nice little intro there. I like that. I sent you the picture that was sent to me from the pivot, the screenshot, and how can you not? You tell me. I said it to you. You tell me what your thoughts are. I mean, hey, willing to admit, I mean, you look like the star of the show. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, someone said that Q looks like he's hovering over practice like the damn GM of the team. Everyone else is in the background, right? I'm yeah, not make, every- I don't mind making this stuff up. You're not making it up, but, hey, man, I just got to say, okay, you got it right there. You, you got it right there. <laughs> But during the break, I did want to address this before we close out the show. Okay. Um, we did have a caller call in. Um, it wasn't Colin Cowherd who made the, uh, right. the fake Christian and the fake accent. It was accent. Mike Florio. Yeah, it was Mike That's Florio. Right. Just yeah. wanted to address that because Colin Cowherd is wrong on a lot of things. Right. But this one. Yeah, that was my fault. That was And, yeah, Mike Florio, that makes actually a lot more sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> that makes a lot more sense why he would say something stupid like that. So thank you for that caller. I actually had someone tweet at me and let me know that as well. So uh, definitely appreciate that. 
So there you go. And before I get into it, we do have a call. Let's go ahead and get him on real quick. We got Raider Dave in Denver. Raider Dave, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Oh, man, I thought you were a ghost on my flight this weekend. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not we me. We got more things in common than I thought. You talking about cow herd and SAS? You know, a herd of cows leaves what out on the prairie to help it grow. And I think SAS just sort of always, to me, stood for spew any crap, you know. But, yep, um, yep. <laughs> I, I did want to question this, though. With the team that the Raiders had last year and what they were able to accomplish, is the offensive line better now than then? Is the linebackers the same as it was then? The running backs are better. The wide receivers are better. My question is the defensive backs are better or not. We lost games because, you know, games were taken away at the end because we couldn't stop anybody like that. But I think everybody, if they look at it, it's a better team this year. For yeah, sure. The AFC West is probably better, too, but... I really think it's better in a lot of areas, so I can't be too terribly worried about this offensive line. Good stuff. Good call. And, yeah, I think the team's better than the team was last year as well. Been saying that for a while, especially the linebackers. The secondary is interesting, right? Uh, I think Nate Hobbs is, is improved, and so I think he is the best defensive back on the squad. I'm interested to see what they get out of Rocky Sin and what they get out of Anthony Averett. Trayvon Mullen, I think he needs to play on Friday. I've been saying that for a while. I still haven't really seen him. Um, you know, can he hold up for, for the whole season? That's going to be interesting. But the secondary, as far as the safeties on the back end, I think they're better. Jerron Harmon brings a lot to the table. Um, and the offensive line, I guess it's a big question. Is it better than last year? I guess we'll have to wait and find out. I think that's the biggest question that we'll have. So, uh, Damon, I know we don't have much time for uh, real or fake, but go ahead and hit me with something. All right, a real quick one here. Do all football players – oh, no, excuse me. Real or fake, do all football players wish that they were basketball players? Um, yes. All, all, yeah, that's real. All, <laughs> all football players want to be basketball players. All basketball players want to be football players. All athletes want to be musicians, and all musicians want to be athletes. And I ask you that because before the pivot got started, they're out there, they're talking to Devontae Adams, and they're talking about, oh, how much do you weigh? How tall are you? And Ryan Clark goes, yeah, you're tall, man. And they were talking about T. Higgins. He like, oh, because he's, hey, you look like a hooper. Yeah, man, I used to hoop a little bit. Devontae Adams still proud that he considers himself a hooper. And he's like, yeah, man, if I was taller, if I was 6'5", y'all wouldn't be talking to me right now because he'd be in the league. <laughs> I believe it. And I heard that he had some really good hoop skills. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's how it goes, man. No matter what you are, you want to be someone else. Like I, I always give Brian Salmon a bad time when I see him at practice. I'm like, man, you're the guy on TV. And he's like, you chose to be on the radio. And I was like, nah, man, that's all I was good for was the radio. You're good for TV, man. You got the looks. And then he gives me a bad time. And so I think radio guys want to be on TV. TV guys want to be on the radio, vice versa. It's just kind of what we do. But uh, good stuff, man. Fantastic show. Great guests that we had on the show today. And most importantly, great calls and texts from you, Raider Nation. We definitely appreciate you. Of course, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate. Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, and Vinny Bonsignor, they'll be in studio as the Raiders have a walkthrough tomorrow. And then the final preseason game is on Friday. So again, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., wake up with the morning tailgate. They have some Raider alumni that they'll have on the show, and they'll tell you about it in the morning. Have a good night.